My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God and I'm glad that you're joining me as we continue through the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 21 and we're going to be starting at verse 28 today and we're going to be going through to the end of the chapter in verse 46. So here we have Jesus in his last week of ministry and he's just previously cleaned out the money changes. He's then gone to have a night to Mary and Martha's house in Bethany. He's come back the next day, healed some people. Uh, the religious leaders got upset at him. How dare you do this, you know, um, by what authority? He, they won't answer a simple question, so he doesn't tell them. And then we, we have here the parable of the two sons that Jesus is about to tell. So let's read this from verse 28. This is after he said, I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do this. But what do you think, he says to these religious leaders, even though I'm not going to answer your previous question, I've got something else to say to you. What do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and he said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and he went. Then he came to the second, second son and said, likewise. And he answered and said, oh, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, the first. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. Talking to these religious leaders. Now, this parable is two kinds of sons. They're in the same house. The father has the right to ask both of them to work. And maybe they just wanted him to leave him, leave them alone. But it was right for the father to expect the sons to work for him. So he says, son, go to my vineyard. Go to work today. There's so much in these simple words. Uh, let me share with you some observations from David Guzik. The father speaks to the son individually. He did not speak to the sons together. And the same invitation was given to both sons but it was an individual call to work. And the father appealed to him first as a son, knowing he was the son of his father, should have made him willing to do his will. The father asked the son to work, to participate together in the family business. But it was work, it wasn't play. And the father then asked the son, I need you to work today, not tomorrow, not go and do what you want to do and then do it later. The father asked the son to work in my vineyard. It belonged to the father, so it should have mattered to the son because it belonged to the father. And he answered the first one. He says, I will not. But afterwards he regrets it and he goes. Originally, he doesn't want to give in to the will of the father. But again, eventually he regrets it and he says, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I need to go and work in my father's vineyard. The second son he says, you want me to go and work? Oh, yes, I'll go straight away. Totally lies. Doesn't go at all. Says the right thing. Even does it with respect. Oh, I go, sir. Sounds so respectful. But he didn't do what he said he would do. 
This is already, this parable is, it's something that paints a picture for us of many people who are Christians today. They're like the second son. They want to accept the free gift of salvation. And then Jesus says, okay, now that you've, be, you've, you've come into the family, there's family business to be done. And people go, oh, yes, I'll do it. Totally. I'll do it. They admit that the word of God is true. They, 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 they're going to get serious about it someday. Someday they're going to do what God asked them to do. They, they'd love to talk about doing the Father's work. They'll even put on the external appearance of being very religious, but their heart's not right with God at all. And they think that their words and their promises are enough. Spurgeon said this, The second son said, I go, sir, but he went not. And these people do not go. They talk of repenting, but they do not repent. They speak of believing, but they never believe. They think of submitting to God, but they have not submitted themselves to him yet. They say it is time they broke up the fallow ground and sought the Lord, but they do not seek him. And it all ends in a mere promise. Guzik said this, They are sinning against the light because they know better. This is dangerous because it's, it's lying to the Holy Spirit. It is dangerous because it hardens the conscience. So Jesus says, which of the two did the will of the Father? The point of this parable is very clear. What matters is living for God. It's not saying the right words and they're not doing it. The religious leaders were very good at talking religious talk, but their stubborn and their unrepentant hearts showed that repentant sinners would enter the kingdom before them. This There was a massive shock value in what Jesus was saying to these religious leaders. Carson, the shock value of Jesus' statement can only be appreciated when the low esteem in which tax collectors were held, not to mention prostitutes, and that is taken into account in what Jesus said. When you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. These proud religious leaders and these religious people, they should have repented all the more when they saw that notorious sinners were repenting, but they did not. They did not. Verse 33. Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, they beat one, they killed one, and they stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir, come let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Ah, I think you can see where Jesus is going with this. So they took him and they cast him out of the vineyard and they killed the son. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? This is him asking those religious leaders. So they said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. 
Uh, let's talk about the parable before we get to what Jesus says to their response. Jesus tells the story of a landowner who prepares his vineyard carefully and then he hires men to manage it. They're the vine dressers. And these men were supposed to manage the vineyard. And what they did is they mistreated and they killed the messengers that were sent by the landowner. So finally he sends his son and they kill him also. Why? Because they foolishly believed that they could then control the vineyard. But the response of the vineyard uh, owner, the landowner, was not to yield to the vine dressers, but to judge and destroy them. Now, the Old Testament often used the picture of a vineyard to speak of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 32, Psalm 80, verse 8, Jeremiah 2.21, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. So that's who Jesus is talking about here. Remember, these are religious leaders. They know the Old Testament. They understand, they should understand the link of a vineyard and vine dressers of Jesus telling the story. They will respect my son. This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Jesus portrays the the madness of the chief priests and the elders who plotted to kill the father's son who was sent to these rebellious leaders of Israel. See, okay, how does it, what, 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 what is the part that is played here? Think about God in the Old Testament sending the prophets in the Old Testament and they were rejected. Think about Daniel. And, the, and then he sends his son and his son is now rejected. Spurgeon said this, they caught Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. They cast him out in their council in the hall of Caiaphas. And when he was led without the gate of Jerusalem, they slew him at Calvary. So what will he do? What will he do? He will destroy the wicked men miserably. The message of this parable is very clear. With this answer, the chief priests and the elders, they already understood what the wicked servants deserved, that those who rebel against their master deserve judgment, which is so ironic. They knew that the owner of the vineyard had the right to expect the fruit in its season. And in the same way, God looks for fruit from Israel's leadership in this time, but he found little. That's the whole purpose of the fig tree. There was no fruit produced by Israel, the fig tree. Spurgeon, oh, that the Lord may raise up a race of people who shall render him the fruits in their seasons. The hallmark of a faithful minister is his giving to God all the glory of any work that he is enabled to do. That which does not magnify the Lord will not bless man. So, then he goes on and says, yeah, well, you know, he'd lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who rendered to him the fruits of their seasons. The leaders of Israel were so corrupt that God was transferring leadership of his church to others. Who was he going to transfer it to? The apostles, the disciples, the apostles, the, the Jewish and Gentile church that they were going to lead. Remember, the original church was made up of Jewish people who had been converted, Gentiles who had been converted, all coming together. So let's read on verse 42 through to the end of the chapter. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures 
The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Have you never read that? Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. (laughs) Duh! Finally get it. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Have you never read the scriptures? He said, he's speaking to the chief priests, the elders of Israel. Obviously, they had read the scriptures. And he's saying, have you never read it? What's, what, I, I thought you were supposed to be the ones who know this. He's speaking to the leading theologians in Israel. And he says, have you ever read the scriptures, you theologians? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus quotes from Psalm 118 and he reminds them that their rejection of him says more about their guilt and their coming judgment than it says about Jesus himself. Even though they reject him, he's still going to be the chief cornerstone. He's still going to fulfill the messianic promise of Psalm 118. David Guzik, like a painting from a great master, Jesus is not on trial. Those who look at him are. These leaders who rejected Jesus had to hear the eventual consequences of their rejection. Now, clearly Jesus claimed to be the rejected stone of Psalm 118 that God appointed to become the chief cornerstone. He's also the stone of Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13 to 15 that people stumble over. He's the foundation stone. He's the precious cornerstone of Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. He's the stone of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, verse 34 and verse 44 to 45 that destroys the world in the rebellion to God. This is, this is Jesus. He's schooling them in Old Testament scripture. He's painting pictures that they should be able to draw from their knowledge of the scriptures and understand exactly what it is that he's talking about. That's why he's making these references to Psalms, Isaiah, to Daniel. And he says, because you don't get it, yet you've got all this head knowledge, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Jesus warns the religious leaders, if they continue in their rejection of of God as and his Messiah and Jesus, they could expect what God would do would be to pass the leadership on of his work to earth, on earth, his work on earth to other people. R.T. French says this, The sphere in which we must look for God at work in salvation is no longer the nation of Israel, but another nation. The people of God derived from all nations, Jews and Gentiles. Now, Jesus says, whoever falls on the stone will be broken by him. Whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. The choice before the religious leaders is the choice before every single person. We can be broken in humble surrender before God or be completely broken in judgment because we don't accept the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. So what do they do after getting angered by his question and his teaching at them? Instead of repenting, instead of them getting it, They respond with anger and they seek to lay hands on him. Why? (laughs) I guess they just wanted to continue in their sin. They had no desire to repent. 
Why? Because they perceived he was speaking of them. John (laughs) Trapp says this, Who told them that he was speaking of them but their own guilty consciences? So what do we observe today? Jesus gave the religious leaders so many opportunities to challenge him and win, but they could never win. They tried everything. They threw everything they could at him. And they never won. Why didn't they just accept Jesus? Why? He knew the scriptures. He was fulfilling scriptures. He was giving them answers that made sense to them of what their understanding of the scriptures was. It should have made sense. I'll tell you why they didn't accept him. The same reason that people today don't accept him. Stubbornness and pride. Stubbornness and pride. Just so many today. No, I'm not going to. Even though I totally get it, I'm going, no, I'm not going to. I, I can work. I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. I'm a good person. I don't need God. I'm not into all this Jesus stuff. I think a lot of it starts in shame as well. I think people think, well, I'm, I haven't been a really good person. Some people, not everybody, because some people have a pious opinion of how good they are. But some people are just shameful. They're just like, I don't deserve Jesus. Like, I've been a pretty bad person. Um, that's from the that's from the enemy. And then there's the stubbornness of those people who think, well, I'm I'm a good enough person. I I don't no, I don't need Jesus. I'm I'm a good person. It just ignores the reality of everything that Jesus said. Think about Jesus. Jesus is the only person who's ever lived that fulfilled over three hundred prophecies written about him before he was ever born. Nobody else has done that. What are you going to do with that? You're just going to pretend that didn't happen? It's not something you can make up. Jesus was a documented man in Jewish and Roman history. Don't let stubbornness and pride stop us and keep us away. Let's embrace Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people watching this. I pray, Lord, if there's people today watching this and they just need to embrace Jesus, I pray they will, that they will listen to your word. Lord, your word says in Romans 10 that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And I pray, Lord, right now, people would just believe that, they confess it and be saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.